All gas, no brake. We have liftoff. Welcome into the Now We Have Liftoff New York Jets podcast. I am your host, John June. And of course, on this lovely Tuesday, 7:37 p.m. live here on StreamYard, on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitch. Got my guy, Frank Jim Piccolo. Frank, what's good, bro? Man, I'm chilling after watching this slate of uh, games we had this week, and I'm kind of a little tired. You know what I mean? Hey, man. I got one of my friends, a uh, good good friend of mine, for a guy I work with. He's a Chiefs fan, diehard Chiefs fan. He texted me, and he said, no amount of cigarettes could take as many years off his life as watching that game on Sunday night. And... Look, man, it was crazy. Just a crazy football weekend in general, right? Especially, you know, if you're a Jets fan, which is, you know, presuming most of our watchers, most of our listeners are Jet fans. If you, you were obviously, you you have this disdain in your heart for Tom Brady. You feel some type of way, so you don't want to see him win win a win a playoff game there, and and you know, get closer to notching an eighth Super Bowl on his belt. So we got to see him lose in dramatic fashion. And as much crow as I'm willing to eat on the Bills and their quarterback, Josh Allen, and how good he is and how great he's become. He's, you know, one of the the top three, four quarterbacks in the NFL today. I was happy to see him lose as well. Uh, and, and still, we got to watch fabulous football but i could only what i could only think to myself was i don't know if like have we been conditioned to not know what it feels like to have you know a horse in the race where we can just watch this playoff football stress-free and like how are you going to feel this time next year when you're watching your new york jets watching them in the playoffs and you know feeling like oh my god this next pass, this next drop back, this next opportunity right here could be the moment they lose. Hey, baby, thank you, love you. Um, but you know, like how how could you, uh, you know, like uh, how would how would you feel, Frank? How are you gonna feel next this time next year? I gotta ask you this. Well, this is, this is kind of two prong. Well, not two prong, but I got a follow up question for you off of a, a tweet that you sent. I think it was Jeff Darlington's tweet that you sent to me a couple of days ago. If I, oh, Jeff Perlman's tweet a couple of days ago. But uh, I'm going to be how I normally was because I remember, like, I every time I jump onto a podcast of someone that's a Jet fan that's younger than us, like, and they talk about, and I get it, right? We've had 10 years of not being in the playoffs, but like my formative years of being a Jets fan. And that's probably 1997 till now. The Jets were in the playoffs a lot. Like Parcells years, Herm, Mangini, Rex. Like we were in the playoffs a lot. 
Like there was a funny stat that someone put up on ESPN the other day that since 1998, the Jets have won double the amount of playoff games as the Dallas Cowboys. So as a Jet fan, I was like, oh, we, we, we suck, but we don't suck as much as the Cowboys have sucked over the past how many years that is. But you sent me a tweet, John, that said from Jeff Perlman that the Jets will regret Sam Darnold over Josh Allen far more than Ken O'Brien over Dan Marino. And I kind of – I thought that was true when you first sent it to me, and then I kind of had to think about it. Like, I think people – or Jeff is forgetting how good Dan Marino is or was. Like, Dan Marino was Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning bef- before those guys. And let, let's not anoint Josh Allen as – the end-all be-all right now. Yeah, Josh Allen is great. He does a lot of great things, but he's not Dan Marino. That that class was great. And and I think what's even crazier is that Dan Marino came from a good college program. He was getting touted as this great quarterback. Josh Allen kind of came out of nowhere. You know, and I don't know many Jet fans that were pounding the table for Josh Allen. Me personally, I was like, I was like, how Jetsy would it be to draft a quarterback that no one's heard of, you know, that has all these intangibles, but, you know, but, and as, as it would happen, the Jetsiest thing was that the Jets can't draft a quarterback for anything. It doesn't matter who they draft, you know, the pro ready guy wasn't pro ready. Well, I think the argument, to that right like i think where i will agree with jeff is that the the gap between ken o'brien and dan marino is is not as large as the gap between sam Darnold without a doubt and, and josh allen right ken o'brien sam, was a good quarterback ken o'brien was was actually a good quarterback and it wasn't necessarily the it wasn't his fault that those jets teams weren't able to to make the noise that you know we we would have liked, but when you look at Sam Darnold and what he's become, right, like to the point where, you know, a buddy of mine put up in one of our group chats that, you know, Sam Darnold has like a twenty eight million dollar, uh, he's owed like a twenty eight million dollars, uh, or he has a twenty eight million dollar cap hit, but if he were to get cut the dead money would only be worth 15 million. So like it almost makes more sense to cut him than to keep him. If you are able to find a, a quarterback there that, that you can, um, you can count on and, and depend on to play 16, 17, 17 games for you there. But what Josh Allen has become in today's football, there's only the one quarterback that we all talk about as being the best quarterback in, in football today is Patrick Mahomes. And the only other quarterbacks that, you know, that we've, you know, DJ put it out there perfectly, right? Like if your quarterback can't beat Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, then you should probably reconsider your next quarterback. Like if you can't picture your quarterback beating them over the next 10 years, 
then you should probably reevaluate the quarterback position and try to find somebody who can because you don't have a shot in the AFC. You know, if you don't have that quarterback position squared away, unless you are the LA Chargers with Justin Herbert or you are the, um, the you know, Cincinnati Bengals with, with Joe Burrow, right? Like, and, you know, wherever Deshaun Watson ends up, like, how do you, how confident could you feel unless you don't, you have one of these guys, Lamar Jackson, right? But look at Josh Allen. He is, we don't know if, we don't know if Tom Brady's playing football next year. We don't know where Aaron Rodgers will be, right? But like, if you ask me which quarterbacks I'd rather have today, I think Josh Allen would have to be second after Patrick Mahomes. Like, we're talking about a guy that threw for 4,000, ran for over 700 yards. It's never been done before in the NFL. Right? And I can't believe I'm waxing poetically here about the division rivals Bill's quarterback, who I once literally laughed out loud when his name was called in Dallas. You're the mush. I just want everyone to – John doesn't get the reference because he's never seen a Bronx tale, but you are the mush. That's why I have forbade John from buying any Jets jerseys going forward. Uh, Frank, you can't forbid me from doing anything because I'm a grown-ass man. So there's that. <laughs> this, is, this is true. <laughs> but I think, I think like to talk about like the Jets – and when we're talking about Josh Allen, John, like I think that's why the Jets drafted a guy like Zach Wilson, who has all the quote unquote all the tools, has this really high ceiling instead of going with the safe pick like Mac Jones. Cause you know, like when I look at Mac Jones and the Patriots, I cannot see them getting over the hump and beating the Mahomes, the Allens, the Herbert, the Burroughs, like 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 you just said, the AFC is stacked. So you need to draft a quarterback that's going to be in that – that could be in that elk. I'm not saying Zach is because we know he's not yet, but he could be if you put the right team around him, right? Heck, look look what Mark Sanchez, Mark Sanchez was able to do in his playoff runs. You know, he was able to beat the likes of Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Carson Palmer, Phil Rivers, because the Jets built a team around him, a good running game, a great defense, a great offensive line. So it's possible if you do the right things with the overall team that you could have success in the playoffs without having that superstar quarterback. Yeah, I mean, definitely you can, right? Like, look at the, what the 49ers are doing, right? And and Jimmy Garoppolo you know, people probably don't don't consider him one of the to be one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, I saw a meme today uh, where it was, you know, the four quarterbacks going into you know getting ready for their for their championship games, and it was a meme of like four of you know four soldiers, but one of them was dressed up as a clown instead of a soldier, and and it was like uh, you know you know basically making fun of Jimmy G. But there is something to be said when you have the physical tools, right? When the game gets to what it did the other day and, you know, you can't, you can't expect to win every game 13 to 10. Like that can't be your expectation. Right. And not saying that the Patriots plan to do that because the Patriots do have, you know, it's, it's more than just Mac Jones, right? Mac Jones isn't alone. He's going to have, Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels for how long he has that, you know, we don't really know, but 
they're in a good enough situation there that they're you never are going to doubt the pieces around them, right? Like he hasn't, you know, Bill Belichick had you know seen he went two and one against Josh Allen this year, right? Um, but he again his defenses tend to struggle with these more physically imposing, more physically um how do I say athletic quarterbacks, right? Like you look, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, um, you know, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, like these all got all these guys, Russell Wilson, they've all given Bill Belichick, you know, troubles at times. And even when you go back and you look uh, at his career as a defense coordinator, like who are the, who are the best, who are the best opponents? Like who are the quarterbacks that have the most success against, Bill Belichick and it's those that can ad lib, right? Those that when the first read is not there or something's not there, they're they're, they're able to make something else happen. And you, somebody who used to do that all the time was Alex Smith, right? And it's like crazy because you don't even think of Alex Smith to be a, like, you know, of this this elite level quarterback. But when the Chiefs would play, would play the uh, the the Patriots back then, the Chiefs would have success against them because Alex Smith was able to make those secondary plays uh, and and that kind of, you know, I say all of this to say that you have to beat, you have to make it your goal, right? The New York Jets, Robert Sala, Joe Douglas, they have to make it their goal to win the division, right? Like Rex used to talk about that all the time. A win in the division was worth a win and a half, right? Uh, and winning in the division, that's the easiest way to make it to the playoffs. The Jets, they don't they they don't want to talk about playoffs. They don't want to talk about playoff mandates. But like it's look what the look at what the Bengals did, right? Joe Burrow says it talked about it openly. The way the easiest way to your to a playoff game is to win your division. And that should be the goal. But when you settle for mediocrity, when you settle for oh, we're okay, you know, settling, we're okay trying to be, you know, not being last in the division, trying not to be last, right? We're okay with that. Like, that's a problem. And so the Jets have to make a concerted effort going forward surrounding Zach Wilson with pieces. Everything you do should be about winning your division. Every every single thing about how do we score points with the Bills? How do we give Bill Belichick and his defensive coaching staff nightmares, right? How do we stop? Uh, how do we stop Josh Allen, right? Like those should be the types of things that you're doing. Notice how I didn't talk about the Dolphins because who cares? Because they're dumb and fired Flores. Was not a smart move, but. No, and I'm, uh, I'm comfortable with them keeping to it for the foreseeable future. <laughs> yeah, and it kind of looks like that. They're out of the Deshaun Watson sweepstake, which is, which is good. Yeah. So uh, we spent all this time talking about playoffs and playoff football and being in the division and all this stuff. Uh, but we got a, a breakdown to discuss, man. So we talked about the offense last week. Uh, we broke down uh, their season. Uh, we broke down uh, how – you know, LaFleur did and and his how he progressed throughout the year. So let's start there. Let's start with Ulbrich. Um you know, I, I think he, he he's gotten a lot of he's gotten a tough rap this this year. 
Um, he's easily been probably one of the, along with, let's say, uh, Zach Wilson, uh, every um, Greg Van Rotten, Devin Del Mims. I mean, Denzel Mims, I guess, probably isn't being considered like part of the reason why this season didn't go the way it did. But when you when you start listing names, right? I guess Denzel Mims is on that list, but Jeff Obrick is probably on that list as well. What, <laughs> what were your thoughts on his performance this year? I think he got more comfortable as the year went on. I, I kind of feel like I felt about. LaFleur to uh, a certain extent like I I didn't I didn't like a lot of things that he did early on but I kind of have to remind I had to remind myself that he was it was almost like he was at a gunfight with a knife because of how short-handed the Jets were you talk about missing out on Lawson and Vinnie Curry and having to play JFM out of position. Like JFM is probably best suited to be like a Swiss army knife for the jets where you're putting him all over the defensive line where guys or the offensive line, uh, offensive coordinator and the, and the offensive line coach doesn't know where you're going to put him. Right. And then you got then you got Quinnen in there, and you got Lawson in there, and you're you're rotating rankings, and you're rotating uh, the other Lawson, and you know you have like this whole good mesh that's going on, and you kind of see that with the 49ers. That's why they're able they were able to get so far in the playoffs that 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 we're in right now is because how good that defensive line is, which doesn't let the defensive backs get many long throws to happen, right? The quarterbacks don't have that many times. So you got a lot of throws that are off target that are happening quicker than that these quarterbacks want to. And then you look at our linebacker position. Our linebacker position, if you ask me, is meh at best. Yeah. We talked all season. Mosley would have a good game, a good half, a good quarter, and then he'd go MIA. Jared Davis, just, I, he was who he was. And Quincy Williams, you know, he's growing. He, I feel like he's going to be a, a – I don't, I don't like the word cornerstone, but I feel like he's going to be an important piece moving forward. If I'm the Jets, I might be calling New Orleans right now and asking how much would it take to bring Demario Davis back here. Yeah, I mean, you know, let's uh, we'll get into the personnel a little bit more, but just want to you know talk about Obrick a little bit too because I think I feel like I've been one of his most his most staunch defenders. Uh, I know you know you'd been down on him at some points and and. I'm just like, yo, look what the guy's working with. Like you said, he's he's bringing a knife to a gunfight, right? Like, you know, uh, you, you're you're basically, you know, bringing him, you know, uh, you know, items from your, you know, not 
<laughs> that aren't you know that are like fast food type grocery or you know uh ingredients and you're asking to make you like a, a a a nice meal that you would get at a steakhouse right like this guy is is been dealt a bad hand look at all the injuries that they've been that they've had at safety the youth that they've had at, at cornerback um The, the that they had at cornerback and the, you know the 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 opportunities that have been given to all these young guys right like the Hamza Nasruddin's or the the Jamie and Sherwoods or the the uh you know the Michael Carters and obviously all these other young guys but like the rotation on D line like Obrick hasn't been able to to really put his fingerprints in, in on this defense, right? Like him and Salah haven't been able to really pick the players that they want and um really put this defense in their image. And we saw that they're able to put a good game plan together, right? Like they 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 were able to to have a good game against the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady. Um, so it's just like, I, I think about how the bills have grown their defense and whatnot. Right. So like, why can't the jets do something similar, right? Like how Flores was able to grow his defense in Miami over the course of two years, like how come they couldn't do that? Right. So like, you know, these things are, uh, I feel like things are going to get corrected in the future. And so when we, see them spend some more capital on defense spent uh, meaning cap assets as well as draft capital. I think that we'll start to have a, a real um, idea of what their true vision for this defense is. And we're going into year two now, right? Like everyone talks about Joe Douglas and his free agency prior to Sala getting here, his draft prior to Sala getting here. But we need to slow down. He was picking and drafting guys for Adam Gase and Greg's, Greg Williams. So obviously those staffs didn't work, which is why we have a Robert Sala, Michael Floor, and Greg Ulbrich coaching staff right now. So it's going to take some time for us to get these players in here, the ones that fit these schemes. You know, that's why the Jets brought in guys like Ronnie Blair in. You know, it wasn't so much that Ronnie Blair is this juggernaut of a defense alignment. We kind of saw where Ronnie Blair is what Ronnie Blair is. But but he, he was brought in to help teach this system, how Sala wants these guys to be playing, how they want these guys to be playing. Yeah, and I think that that's important, right? Um, getting a system, getting it installed. And when you are in the first year of a system, that's the simplest that it is, right? Like you, there's not a whole lot of checks. Maybe there's the game planning is not as off. You don't, you don't, you, you want to keep things as simple as you can because you're dealing with all these young guys and the defense is new to everybody. But once the defense, once people start taking ownership of the defense, it starts to like create a life of its own, right? You can start 
putting people in unconventional spots, right? Start moving them around, start giving people specific roles because you know what you're, you know who you are when you line up. And I think that's really going to start for them at the safety spot, right? I think, you know, we talked about what they, you know, the lack of production that they've had there, uh, you know, really due to injuries, right? Like losing LaMarcus Joyner, losing Marcus May. Um, Ashton Davis was not very good all year. Um, they, they, they got the guy, Elijah Riley, the, the, you know, plucked him off the practice squad of the Eagles. You know, he, he stepped in, dealt with some injuries and we saw Jason Pinnock come in and, and flash at times. But I think that they have to, if they want this defense to function and and look, I'm going to keep up, I'm going to keep bringing Buffalo up, you know, during this off, you know, during this off season, because to me, the Jets are in the same position Buffalo was in when Josh Allen was entering his sophomore year, which is the same position the Jets were in when Sam Darnold was entering his sophomore year. And they had an opportunity to hit it out of the park with a, with a hire. They had the opportunity to spend a, a lot of money in free agency. They had an opportunity with some draft capital to add some talent to the roster to help you develop, continue developing your young quarterback. And they completely whiffed while at the same exact time, the division rival Buffalo bills were doing it right. Trading assets to go get a proven veteran and Stefan Diggs. When Sean McDermott, when Sean McDermott was hired, two of his first signings safeties, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. And even though they've lost all pro cornerback Tredavious White, they've still been able to maintain being the number one defense. Why? Because they have tier safety play, which the Jets have not had two safeties at the same time playing high-level high football in a very long time, except for the few stretches where you had Jamal Adams and, and, and Marcus May doing it. But I think when you look at this defense, like hearing Ulbrich, hearing Salah talk about the importance of a the importance of the safety spot, the free safety specifically in this defense. That Jimmy Ward player that comes down in the box is lining up with 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 uh, slot receivers and t- and matching up with tight ends, coming in on blitzes. You know, seeing the game that he had against the, the you know the Green Bay Packers and how you know he was able to help lead them to a to a win and an upset win right there in, in Lambeau. Um, seeing that impact just makes me feel like the Jets have to do something to to address this safety position. And to me, I, I know that, you know, I know we, we both like Kyle Hamilton a lot, but I feel like they've got to go the vet. They have to go the veteran route. Like you got to go to the veteran route. You got to get two guys that you know are going to come in and absorb this system right away and play at a high level because you can use those draft picks to address, you know, getting a pass rusher at four, right? Maybe you can get a Kayvon Thibodeau at four, and then at 10, you could turn around and, and, and get a receiver like Garrett Wilson from Ohio State. And now you're looking at you've upgraded not just your pass rush, but you've also upgraded your passing game there. So that's why, to me, I feel like you got to go – Spend a little bit, hey, even if it's getting a player like a Justin Simmons or a Jesse Bates to come in here 
and and shore down one of the safety spots and you spend a little bit of you you, you know you don't have to spend a lot of money at the other position and maybe you average paying two safeties somewhere about eight eight and a half million dollars per year between your two safeties i don't think that that's a bad deal at all right there especially when you're when all your corners are playing on cheap rookie deals and you potentially still have an avenue to add more corners there i was right on with everything you said there john until Except you started talking yeah because you know i've been i've been on this since like october i've been on his bandwagon since october I'm norm. I'm I'm normally on that route where I believe you know. Let's go with the vet route when we have such a big deficiency. But I just think Kyle Hamilton's going to be this generational type player where the Jets are going to rue the day of not of not drop. Say look, James agrees with me, so I'm I'm good. But, he doesn't um, agree with you. He agreed. He agreed with me before no. opening the mouth. So <laughs> okay, but I think I think we could use our capital elsewhere. Like I, I don't think Thibodeau or Kayvon. I don't think any of the big time DNs are going to be there at four. But when there's we, a possibility that he is. Yeah. Well, that if if he's there, then you you have to take him, right? I mean, bro, let's like let's talk it out, right? Like. Jacksonville's at one. They're probably going to take an offensive lineman there, right? Detroit's at two. To me, Aiden Hutchinson's probably their pick, right? And then Houston is at three. Houston could go in a multitude of directions there. They could go quarterback. They could go wide receiver. There's no way a quarterback getting taken at three. They could go offensive line, right? If they like one of the offensive linemen, or they could take Kayvon Thibodeau. That's completely possible. Or, but what if Nick Casario comes from New England? They value defensive back play. What if they take Derek Stingley, the corner from LSU? Look, it was. <laughs> I know. But so, like, uh, there's a possibility that KT makes it there to the Jets at four. And you, like, instead of banking on, oh man, Carl Lawson's going to come back 100% healthy. Well, oh, I'm not have... saying I'm not. See, not now you're you're mincing my I, words. I didn't mix your words. I'm just saying that wasn't me talking to, about you. That was just talking general, right? Like the Jets don't have to hope. Oh, that I'm not Carl banking. Lawson I'm not banking coming. on Carl being like. We saw him in training camp. He looked like he was going to be an all pro. But what's okay, so what is the plan if Carl what is the plan then to address the pass rusher position? Because they need to do that. I think you're looking at ten and you're drafting the guy from Purdue with the tenth overall pick. I, I, I mean, I definitely I, I definitely think that that's possible, right? Um Especially if they, especially if they do something major like trading for Odell or trading for Ridley, like and then you don't need to trade for Odell because he's a free agent. Correct, Uh, Odell will be a free agent. Sorry, I misspoke. But if they trade for Ridley or sign Odell, right now you're not going to have to draft the kids from Ohio State because you're going to have a pretty good receiving core, especially if you re-sign Barrios. 
you know, I'm sorry. I want to draft a receiver. I just want to because you look at some of these, like, look at the Bills, man. They run four deep. <laughs> like, but like, dude, the Jets them. are going to be if they if they get one of these receivers and re-sign Barrios, they're going to be running four deep because you're talking about. I'm sorry. I love I love Braxton Barrios, but. Garrett Wilson, man, like, like I, I put, love like, Garrett Wilson, bro. You know so I do. Been, I'm the one so, that put you on to Garrett Wilson. No, you did not put me on. Yes, to Garrett I Wilson. did. Come on, come on, Frank. Come on, man. You gotta you give yourself too much credit here, brother. Always, always. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, you know, you gotta like, uh, you gotta think about this receiver class is heavy. Like, they have to walk out of here with another receiver. Like, they have, they absolutely have to. It just makes too much sense. Like Odell is fine, but you're gonna pay him. You're gonna pay him big time money here to to come here, and he's already up there in age. You can get a, a quarterback with a, with a yeah. They got it. They got to get shore up that D line. Get some more speed, right? They've they've done that. Get some uh, better some speed at linebacker, which is important. Kyle Hamilton will help with adding the overall upgrading the overall speed of the defense. Uh, to address these Russian quarterbacks. Um, definitely think that the um, they definitely need to address the pass rush, though, 100%. I mean, they've had, like you were saying earlier, John, John Franklin Myers, he's been strictly ta- uh, tagged as, as a five and a seven technique. Like, JFM should be moving all across the formation. Uh, Quinton Williams, I mean, we saw him have – uh, some success, he, you know, he, he wasn't having, he was on pace. It seemed to have a really good year, um, potentially uh, crack double digit sacks if he could, but he only finished the season with six along with John Franklin Myers, which that tied this, that tied the team lead. Um, John Franklin Myers had 25 pressures, Quinn Williams uh, just 16, but overall this defense wasn't good enough, especially against the pass. I mean, they were 32nd overall as a defense, they were 32nd in EPA or expected points added. They were 32nd in dropback EPA. So every time there was a dropback and uh, they were they were last in those situations from an expected points added perspective. Uh, they were last in D, in in DVOA or Football Outsiders metric. So any statistical category or measure that you look at, the Jets were just not a good defense. And again. To me, it's it was the talent level. They they were deficient in that area. This is the team that did not spend outside of Carl Lawson, who did not play football last year or the twenty twenty one season. They did not spend any significant capital on the defensive side of the football. Their first four picks in the draft were all on offense. They did not take a defensive player until the fourth round. So uh, when I look at going into this year i think that to me the perfect and i said i touched on it before but i'll explicitly say it to me i would buy a defense and draft an offense right this this year you have that opportunity not just say i'm going to use all my draft picks on offense but i'm going to go into this draft obviously those first couple picks you know you want to use that flexibility get yourself a top tier player but I want to be able to go into that draft and leave with some explosive explosive offensive players because this is a, a class where you can get a you know you can draft a weapon at wide receiver, you can draft a tight end, you can get yourself another running back, you can get yourself some offensive linemen, 
right? Um, because they have two first-round picks, I think they have the luxury to address. You know, this defense doesn't work without a pass rush. So yeah, they need. They, I think they need to use one of those those picks on a pass rush, or maybe they maybe they go in the veteran market. Do you, can you get a guy like Daniel Hunter? Right? Can you are you able to trade with the Vikings? I mean, I don't like his injury history per se, but are you able to trade for a player of that magnitude with these picks that you have? Yeah, like when you 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 talked about it, but when you look at the biggest impact that the Jets might have had from a draft pick or free agent, you're talking about Sheldon Rankins. And I like Sheldon. Sheldon's a good player, but when we're talking about impact, right? That that's not moving the needle. Maybe it could have been uh Sherwood before he went down with that uh I was Achilles, I believe, right? Sherwood before he went down with the Achilles. But other than that, you know, you got Michael Carter. He was really good this year. Like, I mean, but these weren't even, these were like Sherwood was a sixth round, fifth or sixth, a fifth round pick. I know. Michael Carter, fifth round pick. This isn't significant capital we're talking about, right? Like, no, no, absolutely not. This is not significant capital. And you talk about the significant capital that they put in. It was pretty much Lawson and Buss, right? Joiner wasn't significant. Um, you said Lawson and who? I, I forget. I, did I, just, <laughs> I think I just said Joiner. I think I said Joiner. Okay. It didn't sound like that. Oh, Go no. Right. Oh, Rankins. Rankins wasn't significant capital. They didn't put significant capital into Rankins, right? That contract's not a huge Rankins, Yeah, it was like a one-year one deal, like $5.5 million. Yeah, that's not a huge like And the same thing with Curry, right? The, the Curry contract. No, no, they didn't spend. They didn't spend any money on no. on that. Side no, of the they ball. focused on the offensive side of the ball, which is we all were banging the table for because there was no talent on the offensive side of the ball last year. I don't think any of us expected this Jets defense to be as bad as it was, and I don't think anyone could have predicted all the injuries. Like, who would have predicted that we we're going to six and seven string safeties? Right, like we talked about it at the time that the, I think they had a kid wearing number one that yeah, they signed, for. yeah, right off the street. Cool. You know, like Elijah that. Riley was a pleasant surprise. I think he could be a third or fourth string safety for us and a nice special team player for us going forward. You know, get Ashton Davis. Elijah goodbye. Riley should be a special teams player like hundred percent of the time. Like those, but as Jets. Fans, we are used to seeing guys like this start as starters. Oh, we talked about it yesterday off the air. Rontez Miles. Yeah. <laughs> look, look, love Rontez Miles, but maybe it had to do with the injuries that he suffered. Maybe, maybe it didn't. Right, but the the minute that dude got cut from the Jets, he was not on the roster anymore. So, um, it happens all the time. Uh, unfortunately, Jet fans were used to it more often than not. But uh, let's talk about the cornerbacks, though, because the corners, these guys were a pleasant surprise, right? Like Bryce Hall, uh, he's he's the guy that gets the most love, um, had somewhat of a, a, a breakout caliber year in year two, um, was tasked with, with dealing with some, you know, he had some battles there. 
Uh, Mike Evans got to you know play a little bit against Antonio Brown before he he dipped out of the game. Um, but he you know he he had some growing opportunities this year. You know, probably gave up more touchdowns than he would have liked. Uh, allowed seven of those. Uh, but there was a point, right? Like, and I, and I track. You know, during the season, I'm usually tracking like fantasy points per per target allowed and and, and coverage snaps and things like that. And Bryce Bryce Hall for a good portion of the season, he was like one of the top corners in the league in those metrics. Um, and Michael Carter was also up there as well as a, as a slot corner. He was one of the better slot corners in the league, regardless of experience level. Right. He was just, he was just pretty good as in that, in that position. He was physical. Um, you know, he was a player that I think, I don't want to say the, like, the NFL necessarily missed on per se, but I just remember when he was a pick that was made, like a lot of people were not very, did not like that pick. They did not think that this, like that he was a, you know, someone of, that you could count on to be an every down starter in the NFL. And that's exactly what he was as the Jets starting Nickelback. Um, and then when you look at Brandon Eccles, I mean, his year actually is, is comparable to that of, of Bryce Hall's, right? I mean, he gave up 61, uh, you know, 61% of the completions uh, to Bryce Hall's 63%, only gave up one touchdown to Bryce Hall's seven touchdowns, uh, did give up uh, more yards um, per target, uh, eight yards per target to Bryce Hall's 7.3. But when you just watch Brandon Eccles, uh, I mean, he's not, it's weird because he's not big, but he's he's long. He's got some length to him, uh, and I think he's a really nice um, second or third corner to have. Um, I think the Jets could still use another corner uh, out there, uh, someone that you can feel comfortable um, putting on number one receivers on a consistent basis. But I think if they upgrade the safety spot and they upgrade the defensive line, like they could get they could get away with just maybe adding, you know, a corner in like the third round, uh, you know, a traits guy, kind of like what we had talked about last year um, and, and seeing how this pass rush and improved safety position can help improve the overall defense. Both help each other out though, right? Like the Jets could go get JC Jackson and that should improve the pass rush, especially if Lawson comes back semi of the player that he was in Cincinnati, right? Like it, like it's twofold. Like it's however the Jets want to attack it. But if we're going to go on past practice, we're talking about a solid defense. They're probably going to go with the guys up front, right? Like if I'm going to predict what this team is going to do, it's probably going to be they're going to get the horses up front. You know, when you look at San Fran, what they did and how they made it work, you know, they didn't have these all-star defensive backfield. You know, they, like you said, excuse me, they went on guys that had these traits, you know. Even the linebacking core over there, that's that's what they did. They, you know, they converted Fred Warner into that top five linebacker in the league. Yeah, I I think that, they, that's definitely something that they'll have to look at uh, how, you know, cause 
I think when you look at how this cornerback group was able to perform given everything around them, right, given the true lack of a consistent pass rush, given the inconsistency at safety, um, given the deficiencies at the linebacker position and coverage, like these corners were really the bright spot of this defense when you really look at it, right, when you look at this defense as a whole. So to me, I think upgrading the pieces around it, around the cornerback position, could help improve the overall position there. So, um, or the overall defense there. So, I mean, the other thing that that kind of irks me about the defensive backs: four interceptions all year. I mean, the Jets only had seven, but three of them. Oh, sorry. Two of them came from defensive linemen. There was a time where the defensive linemen had more interceptions than the defensive backs. Um, but the defensive backs combined for five interceptions. Brandon Eccles had two, one of them being a pick six, and one of them being against Tom Brady. Uh, and Ashton Davis had two. Uh, Sherrod Neesman had one. So uh, I think that they need somebody who can – like that's the one thing – I the one – problem I had with the corners this year is that they didn't affect they didn't turn over the football and that's just not even just the corners just the defense as a whole they need somebody that can that's it that's what I was just going to say that's the defense of the whole because the D lineman's not getting there to make those bad throws right where they can pick them off like yeah like the Shaq Lawson play and the JFM play as great as those were if they were getting constant pressure on the quarterbacks, we probably would have had close to, I don't know, maybe a half a toner turnover a game. That would be our average if they were doing what they were supposed to be doing, uh, you know, being disruptive. You know, we keep hearing how good Quinnen is, but like you didn't even see it from Quinnen this year. Like Quinnen went through stretches of games where he didn't even do that. And that's, that's what's frustrating with Quinnen. Like I've always felt that Quinnen was one step below Aaron Donald, but if you were, if we're gonna hold him in that air, he's got to start producing like that. No, he definitely does have to start producing, and I think that you and I have talked about it as well, right? Like one thing I will say with Quinnen, we expected Quinnen to to take another step. Be- because of two reasons, right? We expected him to take another step because he was going to be have an opportunity to play explicitly at the three technique in this Robert Solid defense where you see the interior pass rush really have a true impact on the, on the quarterback. But B, because he was going to have Carl Lawson rushing on the other side of him. And... We didn't get to see Carl Lawson rushing on the other side of him. And we actually really didn't get to see this Robert Solid defense because it only really works when you have a speed rusher out there that can really be a true threat. So I'm willing to give him like a half pass. But I think what I'm also willing to do or what I'm also going to do, though, is you and I talked about this, I think, off air a few weeks ago. If. You bring in, you bring. Let's say you draft KT, right? You're able to draft uh, 
you know, Kavion Thibodeau from, from Oregon, right? And you are able then to – you have Carl Lawson. He's healthy. JFM, you still have him. You know, uh, are you comfortable then letting – you know, taking a book out of the 49ers, you know, taking a page out of the 49ers book and then trading – you know, Quentin Williams after he comes off of a potentially pro bowl, you know, maybe he gets to that double digit sack season because you, you have to look at it, right? Like he's only getting older, right? And he's only getting closer to the end of that, that rookie deal. And you're only going to have, you're going to have to come to a, a, you know, fork in the road where, where it's either you got to pay Quentin or, or you, you have to move on. Right. And if he doesn't become that player, then, Maybe there's an opportunity that the Jets might have to to trade him. Well, what are what are your thoughts about about that, Frank? Yeah, if he has, if they're able to do that, right? If they're able to get another, you know, prime time rusher, you know, so now you have two great defensive ends, or we hope two great defensive ends. Let's not put the cart before the horse, but yeah, he, he's gonna be. Probably expendable, right? Because you talk about Bryce Huff. Bryce Huff is, I think, is going to be a good player for the Jets. You got JFM. Hopefully, they don't resign Nathan Shepard, so I I don't have to cry about that all next year. But they also have Foley. Like, sign, resign Foley, who would probably be less money than Quinnen, and I think he fits. Like, like it's all about fitting together right it's not not about necessarily having the best players right i always felt that was the problem with the jets d line under rex when they had wilkerson sheldon and snacks like they all it just didn't seem like it they all fit together like they like they all they all did the same thing right like they didn't have guys that like where this guy lacked in, this guy was good in. They don't compliment you know, one another. No, absolutely not. Like when I think about great jet defensive lines, there's two groups of defensive lines that come to mind. Number one, obviously the sack exchange. And you talk about the two best guys on that is probably Mark Gastineau and Joe Klecko. Mark Gastineau was a speed guy. Joe Klecko was pretty much what we want JFM to do, be play all over the place, right? Only player in NFL history to make the Pro Bowl in three separate positions. By the way, if anyone in the NFL is listening, Joe Kleckel deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I, that's number one. And number two, the other the other great defensive line that in recent memory is that John Abraham, Sean Ellis defensive line. You had, again, speed rusher, power rusher. They complemented each other. Great. That's what the Jets need to start doing here. The Jets need to on, on both sides of the ball. This is not just defense. They they need to have guys that complement each other. We thought we were getting that this year with the wide receiver core. Like we talked about that in the offseason, that it looked like talking about Douglas, it last week. Yeah. It, Go listen. Yeah. It looked like Joe Douglas was making his wide receiver core kind of look like a basketball team where each guy does a different job and it's all will mesh together. You know, injuries derailed that Denzel Mims derailed that. So, you know, he, he's going to get another shot at that going into the off season. 
But that that's the thing with the defense that annoyed me the most is all over the field, they don't complement each other. Yeah, and I think that the, that was obviously the goal with, with Quinnen and, and Carl Lawson. And, and I think the goal was to move JFM around. But like we talked about before, right, like JFM was your only edge presence. He was the only guy that could win on that edge when, when you lose Carl Lawson, you lose Bryce Huff, you lose Vinnie Curry, right? Like he's the only guy you have there that can win on the edge. So um, I think that's it really there for the D-line. Oh, but also they did draft Jonathan Marshall in the seventh round. He's twitchy. So, you know, could you develop him into being a guy that could potentially replace Quinnen uh, in, in the future? So, um, Frank, why don't you pay them bills, brother? Let's do it. Let's do it. Hey, everybody, four teams remain in the NFL playoffs. That means only four teams left for you to bet on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Not a new customer? You can experience the conference championships with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TPPN. For 56 to 1 ads at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, New York, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit, and $1 wager, wager required, one per customer, restrictions apply, see DraftKings.com sportsbook for details, gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And like Frank said, these lines are brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. The Cincinnati Bengals take on the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. Cincinnati Chiefs are seven-point favorites. Game has a total of 54-and-a-half. Where are you leaning on this one, Frank? Frank? Oh, sorry. Pressed the wrong button. <laughs> I said that's a tough one, right? When you when you talk about this game, the Chiefs just had this awesome of the ages type of game, right? And so did pretty much Cincinnati. But who's where's the letdown going to be? The, is Cincinnati's defense strong enough? to withhold or keep it close enough for this game to be within a touchdown? I think that's the question. And I think Joe Burrow's good enough. I think Chase is good enough where I don't see them losing more than seven points. So I have the Chiefs winning the game outright. But I, I think um, 
Cincinnati covers. Yeah, uh, every week on the Fantasy Football Diagnostics podcast in season, we pick games. And every week when we pick the Bengals game, I say the same thing every week. Joey covers. And seven points is too much for Joey to not cover. Um, so I will give the Cincinnati Bengals a cover. The Cincinnati Bengals, the Bengals were seven, six and a half point favorites at home when the lines initially opened uh, in the wild card round against the Las Vegas Raiders. They covered that pretty handily. Uh, they were three and a half point dogs against the Titans. Um, they covered that pretty handily. And um, I picked them both times to, to win those games and cover those, those spreads. And so I'm not going to take them to win this game because I think the Chiefs – oh, man, it's so tough because the Chiefs lost to them last time. The obviously Jamar Chase had that phenomenal game, 266 receiving yards, and um, the bank, the both teams had something to play for too, so it was tough. But I think the Chiefs, <coughs> them being seven point dogs here or seven point favorites, that's like something there. With uh, Vegas is trying to tell us something there, that's crazy them being seven-point favorites after the performance that Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase had a few weeks back. So um, moving on to this next matchup, this one is cr- going to be a crazy, crazy matchup here. Um, the, Cincinnati, the, the, the San Francisco 49ers traveling L.A. to take on the L.A. Rams. This is a... 46 point total where the Niners are three and a half point favorites. <clears throat> and I don't know, man. I just I've been riding the Niners like all 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 playoffs, man. I rode them in Dallas. I if I had if I had a little bit more gusto, I would have picked them to to beat. The Packers, I had them covering because I was like, they're going to cover. But Frank, Frank's Frank's motioning that he had them to win. I don't think I, you picked with us last week. I did not pick with you guys right. last week. But when um, – I know when the lines came out. Yeah, we were talking I, about it all week. When the lines came out, I initially wanted to pick the Niners to win. And the only reason why I didn't pick the Niners to win was because I had – my preseason prediction for a Super Bowl was Bills Packers, and I thought the Bills were going to actually beat the Chiefs. And so, I, in order for me to make my my prediction come true, I I just stuck to my preseason. I got some take lock on me, stuck to my preseason prediction. But you just look at the Niners, man. It's just like they're playing some good football right now. And uh, yeah, I just I the Rams, more power to them. Uh, they're they're playing phenomenal. Uh, I just Kyle Shanahan has Sean McVay's number, man. He really does. And uh, I, I'm either way, we're gonna see a phenomenal football game. 
Um, but I, I, I just I feel like the, the Niners are just going to get this one done. Well, shame on you for being bullheaded. We're only allowed one host on this podcast to be bullheaded, and we know who the bullheaded uh, host is. I said it last week with uh, with Steve that I thought the Niners were going to win pretty handily because I don't, I just don't trust Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. It just seems continually he comes up short. And to me, coaching matters. So when I look at the coaching staffs, right, I look at the Niners coaching staff and I look at the Rams coaching staff. I just I just think the Niners coaching staff is far and away better than the Rams coaching staff. And that's not a knock so much on McVay. That's more of saying how good I think Kyle Shanahan has done with with this team. For what he's able to accomplish with Jimmy G as the quarterback is phenomenal. With that being said, I'm going to pick the Niners to win outright in this game. I just, I have a hard time, like when I watch this team, I'm like, oh, this team is hot right now. It's like those those giant teams that that was okay during the playoffs, but or during the regular season, rather. But once they hit the playoffs, it seemed like they hit hit this other gear where Eli Manning, who's notoriously a so-so quarterback in the regular season, became like Joe Montana once the playoffs started. And I'm, I'm not saying Jimmy G's doing that because he's not. Like, he's not playing like Eli did during those runs. But he's doing just enough to get his team by and that defense and that running game is carrying them. Yeah, I mean, Kyle Shanahan knows how to coach through and around Jimmy G, right? So like, Yeah, you just give Debo the ball. Yeah, give Debo the ball, feed Elijah Mitchell. Uh, Debo Samuel is banged up, so that's definitely something to watch there. Apparently took uh, a helmet or hit to the knee. Uh, I thought it was ankle. thought I read it was ankle. Could have sworn I read knee today, but uh, I could be wrong. But anyway, so the you know there's if if he's limited in any way, that could definitely impact them. Um, yeah, so that definitely could could impact could impact them there. Uh, so definitely curious. Yeah, it took a helmet to the side of his knee slash leg on the last offensive play that set up uh Robbie Gold's field goal. So yeah John's I got right. mixed up. Yeah I know I got him and Trent Williams mixed up. Trent Williams' ankles banged up. It's okay Frank. It's all right. Um anyway so uh yeah we'll see how that impacts there but I I do think either way we'll see a phenomenal football game. But that being said y'all uh we love you we appreciate you we will be back here next week to talk about your favorite team, our favorite team. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I forgot to tell you. We got programming details. The uh, the suits didn't tell you. We're we're going into our off-season program, so we're going back into one week on. We're going to be taking a week off. There you go. See, uh, poo-poo on me. I should have known that. actually didn't know that, uh, but – as you don't, you may or may not know, like Frank said, there's suits involved. 
I'm just here. Uh, I just, you know, talk. John's just a pretty face for the podcast. That's it. That's really all I'm here to do. So with that being said, y'all, love you. Appreciate you. Have a good one. Make sure you hit subscribe. Make sure you follow, like, all that cool stuff. We will see y'all in two weeks. We're out. Peace. Peace.